Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, brought to you as always by the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be part of the Next Level Brands community. Courses, resources, workshops, founder coaching, networking, and a whole lot more. Having a challenge with distributors, finance, or promotions? The Community Hub is fully searchable by keyword and can take you right to the answers you're seeking or one of our team members can help you find the info. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, hi, I'm Steve Clear, and we have a great show for you today. It's a unique story of two fellow entrepreneurs. Our guests are Ani Kalam and Doug Siegel, and they are the moving force behind Zolt, a plant-based super drink mix. Ani is a retail and consumer-focused expert, chief marketing officer, advisor, mentor for over 20 years with experience in startups to establish B2C brands across all aspects, including concept incubation, marketing, merchandising, and operations. Doug is a beverage industry expert, food science junkie, and former COO in the consumer product space. He has 20 years of operations and sales experience across both the consumables and health and wellness, from leading a $400 million company down to incubating internal startups within larger organizations. Welcome to the show, Doug and Ani. It is nice to be here with you, Steve. So, you know, it's it's one of the things I wanted to do is, is that you guys obviously will let you divide this up however uh, you want to. We've had the opportunity to have a number of people working together as partners some were couples, some partners, some you know from school together. However, they load up, and it was really interesting to see when you would ask a question or sort of like who would take the lead in the in answering the question. And, it, and in one case, it was like one of them was operations specialist, and he wanted to answer basically every question, whether it was marketing or you know you you could tell. Wow, okay, I know, I know where this one's going. So, but we want to dive in and find out a little bit first of all. Talk to us a little bit about Zolt, what it is, what it does, and why we should be drinking. I guess I'll go. Doug's silence is deafening. <laughs> it speaks volumes. That, that was great. I, I scared him off, Ani, by doing that. See, that's the whole exactly. thing. Now he's sitting there going, oh, I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> so, yeah, so we are a uh, functional beverage brand. We use adaptogens, antioxidants, and botanicals to put together some really efficacious drink mixes that kind of impact the customer across mood, mind, and body. We're in drink mix format. We always like to say powder is the new liquid and basically have products that kind of suit people's functional need states, whether it's immunity, balance, sleep, or focus. Got it. Okay. So for for the benefit of, of some of the audience out there, let's dive in real quick. So let's talk about adaptogens. And I think most of us have heard of antioxidants, but but adaptogens and botanicals and stuff, what are those more in, in layman's terms, if you can do that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great point to raise. So adaptogens uh, are super plants and these plants live in extreme climates and have to adapt to their environments. And, and in doing that, the molecules and, and, and the, the compounds from these plants have really positive and favorable impact to our bodies. Again, we consume plants, whether it's vegetables or fruits, at the end of the day, we're, we're eating 
those plants. And so these plants just live in extreme climates and, and have to survive. And the survival mechanism can get translated and impacted or impact our bodies. And so our approach to delivering functional wellness was, to Ani's point, efficaciously loading our beverage powders with the good stuff and making sure that what we're doing meets the consumer needs state and equally providing a delicious taste and aromatic experience for the consumer, and, which and is hard so, to do. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and to get that into something that, that actually mixes well and, and and tastes good, which you know, having having tried a variety of them, they do. I I think it's amazing when we were talking about that, and I went. I asked somebody about adoptogens before, and I, I know that the explanation the explanation was given, but didn't quite go through. But now I, I I get it, which is great. Okay, so the plants are are really trying in, in the attempt to survive. Obviously, they can be full of these great things, which then can be translated into something we can consume. Yeah, yeah. so they help, like you know, our bodies then cope with external stressors. So they help with inflammation, you know, cellular health. Like there's a whole host of issues that people experience that adaptogens just kind of help tame in the body, and then position people for just better health and wellness. So uh, m- moving on from that, so there's a number of ways that you guys obviously, you know, that this is in a, a powder form, which you then put into liquid and consume. You guys did decided not to go the ready to drink route, but how did we get to the, the the mixy sticks as you call them? We believe that drink powders and the intimacy by which you can consume our powders, where there's intent to pour it into a water bottle, preferably a recyclable water bottle, allows for a consumer to really think about their wellness, their wellness journey, and feeling good from the inside out. And we, at some point, will contemplate RTD, but we have a real good expertise in beverage powders and really understanding how to mask the herbaceous tendency of plants and think that there's a, again, it's just a more intimate way to have a really positive and favorable experience. And I think- Oh, go ahead, Steve. No, no, honey. Uh, I was just going to say on top of that, as we really thought about like, what is the best pathway to market? I mean, the RTD space is so cluttered. That's not to say that there aren't really great players out there, but as we thought about format and flexibility for us and applications and lots of other things, whether it's food or putting this into a smoothie or just drinking it with a bottle of water, it felt interruptive to us. And then also true to our mission of starting with powders because they're so flexible. So, and then as you know, too, it's like getting um, into RTDs can also be really capital intensive. And there's so much yeah. competition for shelf space that this felt like it was the the right pathway for us as a team. And then also obviously the innovation behind the product format itself. We started out in the CBD business and we knew clearly that CBD drinks were very hard to make. And it was a decision that we felt from a strategic standpoint that we could deliver a much better experience and have greater bioavailability for these compounds to be delivered to consumers. And from the economic standpoint, I mean, that's something fellow entrepreneurs can think about too, is you're right. RTD, very crowded, very competitive, but you have this whole thing of, all right, now I'm putting something into liquid form or whatever, and I have to kind of stabilize it because it's going to go through, you know, it's either going to have to be refrigerated, which is all the time, which is tough, 
or I'm going to have to make it shelf stable, which isn't easy. And, and then somebody's going to come and they're going to buy one, or maybe they're going to buy a six pack of the, of the common stability, right. Flavor. But what if they want to do a sleep and recovery or what do they want to do something else? Right. So the, the, the idea of having, being able to put a lot of these, you know, smaller packages into a convenient size package that you can buy makes, makes a lot of sense. And, and again, totally. economic arbor, pretty compelling. Yeah. I think the other thing for us that from an ESG, from our environmental and social goals, we felt that you know powder weighs 99% less than the liquid on transportation, on weight. And again, using a recyclable water bottle or even reusing a plastic bottle to conserve and to save our valuable resources, I, I think is hugely important. And it connects to the consumer audience today where it hasn't in the past. And we're seeing that the growth of the powder beverage space accelerate in part because of the freight, transportation, logistics, and then sourcing is is very challenging today. Right. Oh, and, and getting more challenging by by the minute. You know, we we talked at the top a little bit about this being a somewhat unique story and 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 unique brand in that sense. Can you guys tackle a little bit about starting basically a business in the pandemic around the pandemic and and how you virtually did it sure so Doug had been working on this for a couple of years before I got involved so what like 2016 2017 Doug yeah and obviously he has a background in alcoholic beverage and has a really good understanding of food science so was able to kind of develop a process around, you know, the bioavailability that we talked about and maintaining the compounds and putting the ingredient profiles together, but he didn't really have a background in marketing at all. And so we got connected through a mutual friend who, but basically with my background in launching startups, direct to consumer brands, and just being in retail for so many years, I started working as a consulting partner with Doug to help really kind of put the framework together for what the brand looked like, what the brand sounds like, how do we cut through the clutter where at that time we were just CBD and the industry's like just the wild west in terms (laughs) of what's out there. And so we really built up this platform of education and really worked hard on, on putting together meaningful content in advance of launch. The funny thing about Doug and I is we've only met once in person, which I think is, is is pretty much a result of the pandemic. He lives in New Jersey. I live in Boston. Our entire team's distributed. And we met at our photo shoot a couple months after we had started working together. So that was January 2020 uh, in New York. And then never again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait a minute. The world shut down or at least our, our world shut down in March. And we've really evolved as a team where we work so productively. I mean, we talk nonstop, both he and I, and then with the rest of our members on the team. And we've just developed a really great dynamic where we can really accomplish what we need to accomplish and not have to be in person. So, so how do you guys divide I me mean, or do you divide up responsibilities or departmental or whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it to me, even though you communicate all the time, do you have a division of, of labor within the company that that works? Yes, 100%. So I basically manage all of the customer facing initiatives, any of the marketing initiatives, growth, etc. Taught a lot of marketing jargon to Doug along the way, oh, uh, sure. but I still don't let him touch it. 
And then Doug really is in charge of formulation, working with our co-packers and our manufacturers and, you know, coming up with new products and product innovation. And then where we come together is, is more on like some of the bigger picture things, like what's our strategy for this year, you know, budgeting we do together, any pitch decks or stuff like that. And, but we just have such a flexible relationship that, you know, you know, we each have our roles, but you know, each person might be asking a million questions to the other. And then we just kind of get on with our day. It, it, it kind of, it happens. It's magic. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I'd call it magic, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but in fair, but in fairness to this, this story, it is really fluid and, you know, there are some great days and there are some challenging days and having a business partner that you can bounce ideas off or, you know, ask critical questions, both of the business uh, of yourself, uh, I think is, is hugely valuable. And, you know, those that say they want to be the founder and not be a co, I, I suggest you really look hard at yourself and recognize that two heads are far better than one. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because the, the, for most of my entrepreneurial career, which has all been agency based, basically, I've always had, always had partners, you know, always trying to seek people with, you know, kind of like ideas, but different strengths. Right. And it's very important. My wife does a lot of work with solopreneurs in terms of coaching. And I think solopreneur is really hard. You know, even though they, you know, most of them have spouses and or families and maybe even some close team members, but when the mantle is entirely on your shoulders, I, I think it's a really tough road to hoe. Oh yeah. And ironically for me, when I started concepting all this stuff a number of years ago and then bringing the product to market, my comment to Ani when I first met her was I'm, I literally will make the best tasting products with the most effective ingredients. And her point to me was, well, that's great. Who's going to buy them? <laughs> Especially with the way your packaging looks. So, ouch. And, and I, I think that I've done A, and then B is where her expertise and brilliance have really helped us position ourselves in, in, in the marketplace, both direct to consumer and, and B2B. So, I, I couldn't be happier to have a partner, and, and I couldn't be happier to have Ani as my partner. And the fact is, I see her kids every day on Zoom. So it's, it's just... <laughs> and my you know, dog. And the dog. We, we live on Zoom. Yeah. Doug, when you were starting out in terms of, let's talk about formulation and product yeah. and whatever else, did you have in mind... Well, first of all, were you thinking about ready-to-drink products at that point in time or were was that an involvement? And then where was the idea or what was the the, the, the driving force, if you will, to try to deliver something better tasting, but better for you in, in this kind of, a, you know, in this kind of a product product line. Yeah. So I always thought about powders first because I just understand that technology and understand that it's far more simple to get to market. And again, this is prior to pandemic, but now you take pandemic and put it into place and, and it's just even that much more challenging today. The, the evolution of all this really began with my own wellness journey, just early 40s, um, not feeling so great and couldn't understand why. And I'll go to the end and then come back. And the end is that <laughs> men go through something called menopause and it's around 40. And you have to take a pause and understand that you're not 
the kid that you were or the young man that you were. And, and it's very challenging. And I just was not feeling so great and went through a process and speaking to a bunch of friends. And one of my friends is a super amazing alternative medical practitioner. And he said, take a look at plants and really think about what Eastern medicine is all about. And I started realizing that in this discovery phase and process that all of these adaptogens that we talked about in the beginning of this of this podcast, most of them come from China and most of them come from India and, and South America. And all of a sudden you're sitting there wondering, well, if if plants are really helpful, then maybe I should think about plants over pills. And I went and studied a bunch of plants. And one of the plants that I spent a lot of time on was cannabis and realizing that this plant that everybody looks at and thinks of in one way, if we take the marketplace and the marketplace says 90% of consumers will think of cannabis as, as something you get high on and or hemp and not really truly appreciating yeah. the value of what the plant is. And so it was a bring together of my wellness journey the fact that I had somebody guide me to, to look at plants as, as a means to solve for this and then formulating, I spent a lot of time researching nutraceuticals, the efficacy and the safety and toxicity of all these things and put together what I thought was an appropriate product for me. And if I could serve me, I think I could serve a lot of people and, and we're achieving that. And you know, we have, we've got a lot of really good praise from consumers but it's based upon this thoughtful intent that everything we make and everything we do, we test ourselves. And if it doesn't work for us, we won't put it into market. And it's up to a standard, never down to a price with what we deliver and what we do every day. Yeah. Awesome. So folks, if you want to do a little bit more deep dive, there's more information available on the website. And guys, what's the website address? Hayzolt.com. H-E-Y-Z-O-L-T.com. Okay. And they can find out more of the information about where the various various things come from and how they're, how they're formulated. So Doug and, and Ani too, you can you feel free to, to jump in. Although I'm, I'm going backwards a little bit here in the, in the, in the, in the gestation of what you guys are doing powders. Okay. Got it. Uh, deep dive into, you know, more clinical stuff with plants and efficaciousness and all that. What's the drive? Was it your professional background or whatever you said, I'm going to create a a product and take it to market, you know, what was, was that the, you know, was that a driving force or were you still trying to just feel better yourself? It was feeling better for myself, but quickly recognizing and feeling better for myself and trying to find brands or, and products that were out there to meet that need that there is a sizable gap. And yeah. it was so consistent where the loading of a material, an ingredient might be one-tenth of the actual necessary input to, to impact the body, it, it just became clear to me that, that most of what's out there in the supplement market is, is a marketing game. And if you're good at marketing, you're going to sell a product, whether it helps the consumer or not. And, and that's not the standard we ever wanted to live by. That's not our ethos of the, for us personally or for the brand. So Ani, let's, let's dip uh, a little back for your background as well. Sure. So why in the in in all the world of things that you were doing and could have done why did this product and Doug's pursuit interest you? Sure. So um I think you know Doug and I we had our first conversation and for me in terms of the way he described the product 
and his passion for, for the ingredients that he was putting in the product really kind of created a story for me that wasn't being told in the original iteration of like marketing communication and packaging. And I I felt like, wow, there's such an opportunity here. This guy's so passionate about what he's doing with this product, but he doesn't know how to communicate it. So, you know, I was doing uh, work, working with a bunch of different brands across lots of different verticals, really as a strategic consultant. And, you know, the first thing Doug and I got along well, but I'm like, all right, I know I can make an impact. This guy knows nothing about marketing. And I know that I can create a a brand that kind of is basically up to the potential of what the product is. So that was kind of my first thought. Okay. Like I I know this can be a successful type of partnership. You know, Doug was very open about the fact that like, I know what I know and I know what I don't know, and I'm not going to get in your way. We have a very collaborative relationship, but like on the marketing front in particular, it's like, you know, he and I disagree a lot, but at the end of the day, he trusts in my point of view and my vision if if it really comes down to like a 50-50 split, which is a dynamic that obviously is is preferable when you're working with clients or business partners or teams. So it was very rewarding for me. But you know, as I was doing this for the first couple of months, I was also juggling all my other client engagements. And I'm really good at compartmentalizing. So it didn't really impact kind of the work product across anything that I was doing. But I we started kind of talking about me, I don't even really know how it happened, but becoming a partner in the business. And as I started thinking about, would this be the right fit for me? I realized one day, like the first thing I was doing when I woke up in the morning, the emails that I was checking, you know, what I was doing was old. So that was like, you know, I'd always put aside the other things and I'm like, oh, I got to do this budget for <laughs> someone else who yeah, yeah. was lovely and I loved, but I started really finding that I was really enjoying what I was doing more so than just the work that I had been doing before, which I, I am the type of person I love work. It is so part of my identity and really thinking through kind of strategy. And, but this was kind of next level for me. And so we just, you know, kind of, I really can't even remember how we just kind of one day decided that I'd be co-founder and I basically just eased back on my other projects. I'm still an advisor to a bunch of different companies in the consumer space because I think it's really important that you just don't have kind of one path. You know, you, you have to be taking inspiration from from everything that's going on in your space. Yes. But, you know, what I do day in and day out is is Zolt and I, I really couldn't be happier. So when when you took a look at this from, again, from your background and perspective, whatever, did you say, okay, Doug, so we're going to lay out a business plan and and what were what were the parameters you put around okay this is how we're going to take this to sure. market or take this to the consumer well i think the first the first thing that we had to do was you know i had to get trust from Doug just in terms of that i was the right fit to kind of help shape the go forward path so i was like listen i don't care if we work together or not <laughs> you know i'd like to work with you oh. but these are all the things <laughs> that you're doing wrong mm-hmm. like when are you going to market with your packaging. He's like, Oh, we're like, you know, we're scheduled for production next week. And I was like, Oh my God. So we had to move very quickly because all the pieces were in place. So I, I just kind of did an audit, spent a couple hours and I was like, these are all the low hanging fruit and the things that we need to address. And here are all of the opportunities that I think are important for us to 
leverage as we go to market. And none of it, I think why it was such a kind of easy uh, transition into us working together is that none of what I was proposing was a derivative of the kind of motivation for what why Doug started this. Like, right. how can I cut through the clutter? How can I help more people get balance and wellness in there every day? He just didn't know how to tell the story around it. And so it was very attractive to me also, because if you think about so many brands out there in the space, CPG or otherwise, marketing, particularly I'm sure from your agency background, it's like someone comes to you and you're like, oh shoot, like how do I manufacture a story for this client (laughs) that's not really rooted in anything where this was somewhat of the reverse, where it was like, there's a story here. There's emotion here. There's a real need for this product. Now let's get to the fun stuff and really figure out how do we communicate that out to the world? So just going back to the pandemic a little bit, we had a multi-pronged approach for penetrating the market, which comprised of direct-to-consumer, distributor, and wholesale partnerships, You know, particularly looking at brick and mortar um, and offline retail as a vehicle to kind of get in front of you know, more consumers. So we were, you know, forming those relationships, had a lot of conversations um, with retailers about putting this product on shelf. And then the pandemic happened. And so Doug and I had a conversation where it was like, you know, we were going to kind of ease into direct to consumer. We had to totally pivot our strategy, reallocate budgets, and really hit direct to consumer hard with offline retail really being on pause for, you know, several months. So that was a big curveball for us. But I think... In hindsight, I think it helped us position ourselves to be much stronger as now we're getting into retail. We made a lot of mistakes along the way. We had some really great wins along the way as well, but it it was kind of a blessing looking back. Yeah. I mean, there's obvious there's silver linings to every cloud. I mean, just about, but one of the things with particularly a product or a product line that you want to get to people who have a certain, we'll call it label reading, you know, affinity sure. uh, are more concerned about their health, are more concerned about these things. And within the D2C space, that actually is probably easier accomplished than it is in the retail space. A hundred percent. Right. So, so, you know, and validity in terms of the product can be proven in either place. So that, that really doesn't, doesn't matter you also can get into it less expensively, which is very important versus committing to a major retail program where, you know, you, you just, yeah, you you understand what's involved in all that. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing. So from a physical standpoint, co-manufacturing is done in New Jersey, you guys, 3PL, how, how do you, how do you handle all that? We have a number of different partners that help us put together our portfolio of products. We, we like to think of it as the Coke formula, where we have disparate parties doing work, and then we bring it together, have a co-man blend our product, and then we have it sent to our 3PL, and, and it's warehoused there for both the direct-to-consumer and then either dropship for retail or, or bulk out to retail. But it's very important, you know, when what we've done and what we've created is, is not so simple to do. And we, we felt that it's best to have multiple partners involved, holding everybody accountable. And I think as you know, other entrepreneurs are on are listening to this podcast, you know, owning what you do really does matter. And it's critical to your success because as a brand, if you're not happy with certain things, it's very hard to walk away from those that control some of your inputs. So and I think one of the uh, 
takeaways here, much to probably the utter annoyance of all of our partners, like Doug is like right next to them, <laughs> like <laughs> formulating, you know, we source almost all of our ingredients, which I think is, you know, gives us some competitive advantage, but also we really dig into the different, you know, ingredient profiles we're looking for. We don't rely on someone else to do that for us, but a lot of brands, not just in this space, but, you know, there's experts in every area and it's very easy to just to trust that they'll be able to oversee your brand and your mission in the way that, you know, has been articulated. And I I think just being involved, not from a micromanaging standpoint, but more of like an inspiration standpoint, you know, Doug will go down to our co-packer quite a bit and, and look at different ingredient profiles. They do it together. And we're very involved in that part of the process. I think we we talk about it in some of the the courses and stuff we do in the community. You want to be a friendly squeaky wheel. Yes, that's exactly so, right. right. And uh, you don't want to become a pain. You don't want to be the 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 customer that the co-man said, "Oh my God, they're here again today." Yeah. Hi. Uh, but you can't let it go. I mean, you can't because it can be disastrous. You yes. know, which we all know those horror stories, and, and it's just not not really good. Let's talk a little bit about the complexities. And the challenges of of using CBD and non-CBD yeah. products and mixing them and the states and the regulations. How are you guys dealing with that? I can talk to the marketing side, but Doug definitely will lead the combo here on a formulation. You want you want to go first or you want me no, to go? Go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, you go, Doug. <laughs> all right. So yeah, we we have our two disparate portfolios. One is a CBD portfolio, the other is a terpene botanical portfolio. So the prior, we do both full spectrum hemp and CBD. We source all of our oils ourselves. We source only organic oils. We have specific terpene and cannabinoid profiles that we want for our full spectrum hemp product. Uh, and then our isolate product is you know pretty straightforward. We just source the isolate. We go through a very thoughtful process to dry our powders, knowing that we want to have certain size particles for bioavailability, absorption, and that it's the blending of that oils into powders, loads that we think are hugely valuable. And um, putting that together with the adaptogens and then we use a really cool technology to mask the herbaceous tendencies of, of the plant and, and the earthiness, the fungi. You know, I, Ani always says to me, do you realize that we started with reishi mushrooms so long ago and now reishi is the greatest thing <laughs> since sliced bread? And the reality is, yeah, we knew mushrooms a long time ago were going to be incredibly helpful, but what type of material do you use? And, you know, there's mycelium, there's mycelium in fruiting bodies, there's fruiting bodies, there's organic versions. Where do you source? Who do you source from? Right. And, and where do you have a trusted supply and everything we do, we test. So, you know, part of our process is to not just trust somebody, but trust and verify our partners. And what we also recognize was that going back to the commercialization side of things for a brief moment at while we anticipated that the FDA was going to be far more aggressive in providing a framework for CBD to become an ingestible product, that that didn't happen the timeline that we thought. And you know, a little bit of of taking the risk in this in, in our business was to think that 
there was a gateway that we would be able to achieve uh, mass distribution. But in two, I guess in it, right after we started working together, I, I said to Ani that we really have to start thinking about a way to um, get our brand into the market, knowing that we can leverage all the science and all the technology and all the resources we've already leveraged. And so what we did was come up with these terpene profiles, the aromatic compounds of the plant, allowing us to improve, as Ani started off earlier, with mood, mind, and body, that we can actually take terpenes and, and impact someone's feeling and their body wellness. And we spent a lot of time and a lot of research, and we literally replicate the terpene profiles of different cannabis strains into our product, not using cannabis, but allowing us to then go to hit retail. And, and so we've had some really good success with that. And, and I think it's, it's helped us prove that we're, what we're delivering works. And then from just from a regulatory standpoint, we, we anticipate that there's going to be, you know, a delay upon delay on CBD being uh, approved by the FDA solely for the fact that there are more pressing matters before it. Yeah. And a little busy. Yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, it's really important for others in the industry that that they make sure that they've got a sound business strategy. And the other part to this is those that are in the industry, you know, we, we've got to lead by example. We cannot do any wrong. And so if you're going to load 20 milligrams or 50 milligrams of material, you better do it and do it right because it's one, it kills the brand, but it also hurts the industry. Right. And and we've seen a lot of that. And so one of the other things I think that we are really good at, again, to Ani's uh, genius is to really message and, and have a story that helps educate the consumer, knowing that they can trust what we're doing. Yeah, very, very important. And, you know, as as that evolves, and I, I think certainly had there not been a pandemic, we might have been a lot farther ahead down that road today yeah. than we are. But maybe not. I don't know. You know, it's it's been an easy thing for the FDA to avoid. <laughs> apparently as well as, you know, but, you know, time research, they want to get it right, obviously. And, and they have been a bit busy lately. So we'll, we'll see how that goes from, from a marketing standpoint, Ani, let's talk about the difference between the two portfolios sure. <clears throat> and how you treat them differently or don't. Yeah. So what's interesting is like when we started, you know, as you know, we started in hemp and then when when Doug and I started having this conversation, I'm thinking like, how can we pivot into something that's not hemp-based when we've really doubled down on our messaging around hemp? One of the reasons I think we were able to successfully do that, sorry, it's super windy here. <laughs> but one of the reasons that we were able to successfully do that is from the outset, one of the differentiating factors of our product, hemp or otherwise, was that Doug really thought about how do we integrate these adaptogens and antioxidants, other plant matter into our products so that they're more dynamic, provide better benefits. And we're not just competing against a tincture that's just like a CBD oil, right? That's just CBD oil and nothing else. Yeah. So we started, you know, as a team and we spent a lot of time thinking about how do we kind of replatform so that we're still true to who we are. But at the same time, allow for line extensions and kind of opening up our brand umbrella a little bit so that we have some more flexibility in the market, you know, because of things we can't control. And so we started thinking about, all right, we're, you know, can we do these products that also have adaptogens and antioxidants, but other plant matter, in this case, terpenes, um, and really live under this umbrella of plant-powered super drinks? 
So we quietly started evolving and really just shifting our positioning before we were smarter CBD. And then it became plant-powered super drinks, you know, probably six months after. And, and again, the reason we could do that was because there's this consistency of plant matter between the two product lines. And then it's like, you know, do I want a sleep product that has CBD or do I want a sleep product that has a collagen boost that's vegan and based from plants? They're both in our dreamy product line. We're letting the consumer choose which kind of vertical is more of interest to them. So now all of a sudden we have this more overarching brand that's really around the power of plants. And we say like, you know, the power of the plant and fungi kingdom, but pocket-sized in these little mixy sticks. And the consumer can then explore the different ingredients that make sense to them. This was extremely helpful, this kind of expansion of, of kind of what our brand stood for, because to your question about marketing and the differences, when we launched under the Smarter CBD portfolio or, or platform with just seven hemp-based products, very quickly realized that, oh, all those things people were saying about restrictions in marketing and advertising really are true. So, you know, we started, you know, me and my background with direct to consumer and working with a lot of apparel brands. Well, of course, we're going to have run Facebook and Instagram ads. Well, actually, maybe not because we keep getting shut down because, you know, the, the guidelines for Facebook and Instagram consider us, you know, an unregulated substance, or I forget the language anyway. Yeah. Yep. So that was a big challenge. So where we had budgets allocated for this, all of a sudden it became a lot more tricky. We couldn't do it on our own. We had to work with an agency so that we could have like a rep who would then kind of look into why our ads were getting turned down and help us figure out what's the pathway forward. As soon as we opened up this line that was just botanical based, all of a sudden we could advertise on, on Facebook and Instagram. So that was a big um, shift for us. And yes, we still have to be careful that we're not messaging our CBD line totally above board and communicating the product as it is, but you know, we might just be doing an ad about our collagen boost product that has no hemp in it whatsoever. And that's totally fine. Sure. They find their way to the website. They'll figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. We do have a lot of customers that come in um, through Facebook and Instagram on an ad about vegan collagen and then buy a collagen variety pack and a hemp variety pack. So uh, that's been really helpful as a conversion tool for us. Same issue with Google, Google Shopping, Google AdWords, very, yeah. very challenging. So again, it's like the the things that are in the normal D2C marketers playbook, all of a sudden you're like, shoot. So when we opened up to this other product line, it just became easier for us to use the more kind of traditional digital mechanisms. We've also had a lot of success with both of the product lines in, in native and doing newsletter partnerships with you know publishers out in the space who don't have some of the restrictions um, that are imposed by the Facebooks of the world. But long story short, you know, having this additional product line, I think just gave us so much more flexibility in terms of the, the ways that we could market our product. And as the CBD space has grown, even in the past 18 months, and there's just like it's getting flooded with players. It was flooded before, but even more so now what we were finding is that a lot of publishers are like, I get pitched, you know, 12 times a day for, for new, a new CBD brand. So now we had something a little bit different to talk to that was synergistic with kind of where we started. So it's opening up a lot more opportunities for us in PR. Yeah. Certainly doors are a little bit more open nowadays, although it's been, it's been amazing because in the past, 
two years, probably at least once a week, I have a reach out from a founder or a PR agency or whatever with a CBD sure. product. I believe it. Um, yeah. Just, just amazing, and it's going. Wow! I just there better be a lot of usage out there because yes. um, because uh, there's certainly a lot of people trying to fill that usage. And what what's been interesting has been kind of sitting on both sides, which is a lot of retailers who are adamant about you know nothing to do with anything with CBD or whatever were on the inside internally, you know, calculating how they were going to do their CBD 100%. introductions. I don't want to talk to you about your branded product, but oh, by the way, my private label people are working on the same thing. We, you know? We've had a lot of conversations with retailers and kind of through innovation meetings where a lot of these kind of more traditional retailers are, they, they know that there's an opportunity there, which also for us is like, you know, once it does open up on the ingestible side, if we can start penetrating these players with our just botanical kind of functional blends, it becomes a much easier sell. And if we can prove success, well, we've kind of been here all along. We've had this line. Now it's open and uh, let's try it. So it, it just, it helps position us well for growth and credibility in the market. Absolutely. Did you guys have a, like a, a, a sort of a roadblock thrown in front of you along the way or anything that was of, of crisis mode that you had to, had to get around as you were building this? I mean, I think this one, our realization about, you know, we can't just be a hemp-based brand was pretty critical because it, you know, we then had to go through product development and all of, all of the new products. You know, we spent a lot of time setting up meetings with retailers who then were like, oh, you know, let's have the meeting. And, but, you know, this might be something of interest for us in two years. And then a lot of internal resources. So I wouldn't necessarily it was say it was crisis, but it was challenging for sure. And we've just gotten to the point where we feel really comfortable kind of owning that positioning and allowing us to get into more products. I think the other thing, which is something that I'm sure you've probably heard over and over from your guests is we are not immune to the challenges of with supply chain in the past year. Oh, and yeah. it's been pretty stressful, particularly in Q4. We sold out of a lot of product, tons of delays on the supply chain side, and it just caused so much stress and and still does, you know, both for customers and then internally, how do we manage all of this and keep our business moving forward? And, and that's something, you know, we hear from so many of our peers in the CPG space and everyone's just trying to, to manage it the best they and can. There, and there's been such a waterfall effect. Um, yes. You know, and, and you get into people who are, you know, I work with people who are uh, single ingredient, five ingredient, three, you know, whatever. And it's, it's all, it's all wonderful. But then there's other people that are, you know, up in the multi-flavor, maybe 18, 20 ingredients. And all of a sudden one day, like dried lemons disappeared. It, it's happened to yeah. us. You know. And you can't, and it's like, well, well, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's uh, the whole production comes to a halt. It doesn't yes. matter. No, I got lots of oranges, but that yeah. doesn't matter. I exactly. And we deal with that a lot. I, I remember Doug <laughs> talked to him one morning and he's like, I literally was on at two in the morning, you know, trying to find this specific type of black tea that meets all of our standards. It's yeah. sold out everywhere. <laughs> and we can, he found like the last bit of it at literally two in the morning. Yeah, I was on with Asia. And I mean, you know, you do what you have to do to, to your point, you know, that one ingredient creates havoc and wreaks havoc. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about and we've done now is you got to go long material and, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, that, and again, that's, 
another calculation that you've got to make in your business plan where you may not have made it before. So that black tea powder that Ani's talking about, we have on hand. We will never be out of again uh, because we have open POs and just it has to be that way. Um, well, but and there's the challenge of things like, you know, fiber and corrugate that you, you don't necessarily have a warehouse to have this stuff sitting around, yes. right? You, you're, you're used to a pretty, it's cardboard for God's sake, you know, a pretty reliable, consistent supply. And then all of a sudden one day it's gone or it's six months out. Yes. Six months. We're, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, same thing on packaging know. and, you know, we're certainly a smaller player, but you know, there's no paper. What? Yeah, the right board isn't in stock. It'll be here in four weeks. It'll do that. Good stuff. Well, so you guys, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but we we have a segment that um, that we kind of carve out called "Words to Grow By," and uh, you know, it's it's basically you guys passing on something you think your fellow entrepreneurs and stuff ought to know. Can be a word, can be a quote. Uh, phrase, uh, idea, whatever, whatever it is that you have, but we'd like to see if you guys could share it with us today. And, uh, and you both get to have one. Okay. okay. I have two. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I partnered with Ani? <laughs> wow. I'll tell you that, right. That That's great. So, oh, okay. And one I wanna, short. you want to go first or I will. Go first? okay. Yes. All right. Doug's okay. probably scrambling. So he'll okay, want no problem. <laughs> the first one is why. And don't be afraid to always ask why. It drives Doug insane. But I'm always just trying to ask and dig a little bit deeper because I think it just helps with like long-term decision-making. So just don't take things at face value and ask why. (laughs) The second one is to always think like a customer at the end of the day. It's so easy to, you know, and that customer, a user or a community member, whatever that thing is to you, it's so easy to get so wrapped up in in everything that you're doing, but you got to always take a step back and just think about what that user experience is going to be like for the customer across product, website, whatever it is. It's kind of guided me throughout my career. Very, very important. Excellent. Okay. So Doug, you don't have to top that. You just have to, you know. Well, I'll, I'll just Here. one pay a compliment to Ani for those two because they're super helpful in everything we do. For me, I, I often reflect back to a poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Yep. And two roads diverged in a yellow, yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood. And you, as an entrepreneur or somebody that was thinking about something and you're dipping your toe in the water, or you don't want to, you're not sure, all those things go through your mind. Regret plays heavy on the heart and heavy on the mind and go forward and do what is potentially a little uncomfortable, but that which you believe in yourself and whether you succeed or fail, you will have succeeded. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to be with us today. I know you're both busy and got a lot of plates in the air and stuff, but want to wish you luck in enjoying the product by the way, very much. And uh, folks, you can find more information about Zolt and the product line at heyzolt.com. And hopefully we can get you guys back on the program a little while down the road to talk about your massive retail expansion and all the other good things that come with it. Super appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you both so much again. And thanks, by the way, to everyone out there for joining us at another Next Level Brands podcast. The podcast is sponsored by Next Level Brands Community. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's with two X's. Our producer is Deborah Armstrong. Our production assistant is Consolato Wakuku. 
We're always grateful for feedback and comments. If you have an idea about the show or a special guest you want to hear from, feel free to reach out and let us know. And if you're enjoying the show, please follow us, take a minute to subscribe, and more important, refer us to your friends. After all, the more, the merrier. I'm Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.